Welcome to Insider Marketing. I'm Mark Thomas, Head of Growth here at Powered by Search. And each week, we'll be breaking down a SaaS company's marketing, giving ideas about how we would improve the strategy to get more trials, demos, and revenue using demand gen, SEO, and paid media. All right, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Insider Marketing. Today, I'm joined by Dev Basu. Dev, how are you doing? What's up, Mark? Good to be here again. Always a pleasure. Last time we spoke on Insider Marketing to you, you were in a basement. Uh, but I'm happy that you have since come out of the basement. It started from the bottom. Now I'm here. <laughs> oh, thank you. All right. Fun story. My last startup, we had a bot that played a Drake song from that album whenever we had a, a new sign-up that paid us. That's hilarious. Uh, we had to turn it off in the end because it was playing too frequently. So, guys, hire Power Search. I'm here now. <laughs> All right. Okay. With that amount of ego, let's head into a little bit of information about our our target today, and that is Datadome. Now, before we dive into the episode, I want to give you some context around Datadome. Datadome is a bot protection product. They were founded in 2015 in New York. And like the majority of companies we're going to talk about on Insider Marketing, we don't have conversion or revenue data, so we have to make some inferences. Now, our bet today is that they're doing around $17 million ARR with a team of 111 people total. And we're going to share strategy ideas, mostly for demand gen, with Dev Basu. Let's dive in. All right, Dev, that was a little bit about Datadome. How do you think about Datadome? Give me the kind of the cliff notes here. I think that they're doing a great job in terms of their acquisition um, around DemandGen already. You know, when I look at the ecosystem of peers that they operate in, there's a couple of very large players that do part of what they do. So bot protection is a component of their overall cybersecurity suite. And then there's a number of ones that are direct kind of peers and competitors as well. As we scan across Google and paid ads, and also on directories, they've got a good reputation. And so it's a a company that's in the growth stage right now and and scaling up. I think what we'll look into from a Cliff Notes perspective is, you know, how could we take the the opportunities in front of them right now and make them work harder? Because they're doing a good job from uh, an acquisition standpoint, but we'll, we'll dive into some engagement and conversion components, which is what companies at sort of this stage of growth, like what it takes to go from 17 or 20 to 50 million in ARR isn't just more salespeople and more ad spend, although sometimes that's simplified and seen that way. It's actually a mix of other things as well to build more of a flywheel as opposed to a funnel. And I think you need to focus on engagement and conversion to be able to do that. What do you think? I definitely agree. And what I love, I don't know, I think I'm a bit weird, but I really love when a website doesn't look polished and shiny and amazing, it looks good. But the information is so good that it makes sense to take the next action, right? Datadome is one of those examples. It is not, in fairness, like a very highly polished website. It's not bad, but also it's not like top 5%. And that's not to say anything against Datadome here, because what they have, which is what most companies should focus on, is a really, really strong foundation to build off, which is the messaging 
and the actual information architecture of the site. Now, there are some opportunities as we're going to talk about here, but I love starting from the place where a website is mostly functional first, because, you know, when you think about demand gen in particular, the kind of the easy thing for companies to do is focus on, you know, bells and whistles, like they'll animate stuff or they'll like think about fonts forever. And even in SaaS web design, you know, they'll go and they'll look at, you know, what's the most recent web design project that we've seen that we love. Or they'll go to Pinterest, weirdly, and start looking at stuff or Behance, I don't know, wherever people go these days for that. And they'll just pull stuff off the shelf. And I absolutely love it when somebody doesn't do that first and they think, hey, what does our buyer want to know? And Datadome, I think, have done a pretty good job of that. So, yeah. Yeah, and I wanted to give a shout out to their growth team. We we actually spoke with them in 2021 and they were giving us a little bit of a lay of the land of what they were working on. And I think they've done a, a great job in terms of implementation, specifically around the acquisition stage, like I mentioned. It might be helpful to maybe talk about sort of where in the buyer lifecycle and what needs to be true for someone to even want bot protection specifically. So if you tend to be the type of company where you've got a large phishing net, you know, and you've got lots of different types of customers that you're attracting, perhaps you've got a website that gets quite a bit of traffic or your traffic is just really, really expensive. So if you're B2B and you're paying a very high cost per click for the type of people that are coming to your website, or maybe your content is mission critical, meaning like you cannot afford for your website to go down, that's the type of space that you want to play in from a bot protection perspective. It's not just spam and putting in CAPTCHA. It's also denial of service attacks that end up happening which is where a whole bunch of bots basically get together and make so many requests to the website that they would take it down. And so this kind of broadly falls under the, the banner or, or, again, the ecosystem suite of cybersecurity. And at Powerbase Search, we have a number of clients who we have a specialism now in related to cybersec. And that ranges from you know bot detection and management. We've got other clients in this space. And then also in... API endpoint protection and some infrastructure protection work that we do as well. So we've seen how buyers operate in this space and I think uh, Data Doom do a good job in terms of the way that they present the information as well as their, their navigation information architecture. Yeah, really good. Let's dive in a little bit and talk about some of the good stuff that they're doing right, right away. So one area that, uh, that Data Dome are kind of really focused on, which I like, is that they have on their homepage a section which is kind of about their solutions. So right now we've got something here about scraping. So people who scrape directories or like ticketing websites or could be anything really could be basically they want to get the information off one website, put it into some file so that they can load it onto another website and, you know, hopefully either benefit from search or you know, whatever it is they're trying to do. Now, that is a technical thing. And what I really like about Datadome is that they've written a, what I would consider to be a pretty great blog post about scraping and the anatomy of scraping attacks. I think the disconnect, though, between getting somebody from, okay, I know what scraping is, to I want to use Datadome to help me prevent that, is that the common pattern and the one that is common because it works for 
feature pages is to kind of spin a narrative that is not necessarily informational, but it's sort of intentional. So informational is a blog post. It tells you things like what is, who uses, what does this look like, common strategies. Intentional would be, okay, you already know what this is. You're in the market for it. I'm going to tell you how we solve that problem. And so Datadome are doing something really good, but they're kind of slightly missing the mark in terms of acquiring more customers. So it's not, I'm telling you about this information. We should have that on the website, by the way. It's good for search. It's good for users who are maybe a little bit less aware. We should be sending people from the homepage, though, to a features page, which helps them understand how the product is going to solve their specific issues. Yeah, and you know, I think that's reflected in, I always kind of think about like, what is the cost of success? If you can bet on a strategy, and then, you know, obviously, most of the time, marketers think a lot about how do we make the strategy successful? And we use a, a thinking model, which is just act as if, act as if it was, you didn't have to do any of the work. And it was, you know, then we just fast forward in time. And now we have the success already have been achieved. And we're not obsessing with how, but now we're obsessing with what now, you know, what now that we have achieved the success. And at least in Datadome's case, what you just described there, Mark, is something that we're seeing pop up in the way that they show up in, in organic search as well. So, you know, this is direct data from um, SEMrush and about 75%, so three out of four things that they rank for are informational queries. Things like what is definition terms, things that get featured snippets. So, you know, very sort of quote unquote, early stage awareness, not necessarily the decision maker, the influencer, the check signer. And to the best of my knowledge, like this is a space that does not lend itself to a, a small ACV, let's say. It's a mid-market to enterprise-level sale with multiple stakeholders that are part of that process, both as gatekeepers, but also as check signers as well. And so this type of informational search, if you have you know three out of four queries that you're ranking for being that kind, Really, what we tend to focus on with clients that are in this space selling a product that's you know a minimum of fifty thousand dollars in annual contract value, a max value that's closer to five hundred k or or even more than that, frankly, and a multi-year type of contract situation, we tend to focus more on the what you call intentional. So, SEMrush would define them as commercial or transactional keywords, and these would be the you know, company A versus company B, company uh, competitor alternative type terms, the pricing oriented terms and so on. So they have about 8.6% in the commercial terms and about 11% in the transactional ones. So that's where a lot of the growth really can be. So, and if you're a chief revenue officer and you're thinking about, or even a CMO, and you're thinking about where to allocate your marketing dollars, And if we were in those shoes, we'd be thinking about how do we grow the commercial and transactional and focus a little bit less on the informational, just because that's already working so well to begin with. Yeah, for sure. And I think that kind of shows up across the the marketing, thinking about demand gen. So if you look at LinkedIn ads, for example, that Datadome are running, a lot of the ads are, are pretty informational. So one is, I mean, they've done this a couple of times, actually showing a graph of you know, uh, what have I got here? A graph shows how we track malicious actors that leverage Selenium with a modified Chrome driver for more info. That sounds really technical. 
and sounds like probably if you are in the market for a tool like this, maybe that would be interesting to you. So I click on it. I've spent a little bit of Datadome's budget. Sorry, guys. Uh, it's probably only a couple of dollars. But the the page that I'm greeted by talks about like what is a headless browser? What is Puppeteer? It's a mismatch of intent because and also awareness, really. I might have clicked that as a technical person. I'm not, by the way, but as a technical person to find out, okay, great. Yeah, I do have a problem with people using Selenium with a modified Chrome driver to look at my site or scrape my site or whatever people are actually doing with that. But I've landed on a page that teaches me like stuff that I learned on day one of the job. So it doesn't help me get any further towards making a choice to use Datadome. And I think if we were thinking, Dev, you mentioned at the top of the the kind of the episode about getting from uh, 17 million to 50, I think you said, there's a lot of information and a lot of investment that Datadome are making. Now, if you change the intent and the kind of the customer awareness allocation, so the journey basically from, let's say, an ad to the website, let's change that content, then all of a sudden your conversion rate improves drastically and then ultimately that impacts down funnel metrics like for example high value acv revenue and that it feels low hanging i mean obviously there's a huge amount of information and work that goes into that but relatively speaking if you were thinking about creating new things versus changing what exists already out for something else that exists already that's a huge value add action that you can take with relatively low effort. Why don't we dig into the going from like high level to high level about some things that they can improve just with the content that they already have? Yeah, for sure. Do you want to start with integrations? Yeah, let's start with that. I think and maybe context is useful over here. You know, the only types of companies looking for bot protection or bot management are companies who effectively already have some sort of technology solution that they've built their entire web experience on. So this could range between a content management system to a server setup, for example, to even a CRM. So let me give you an example. So server setups would be something like, oh, you know what? We host our server on Apache or Nginx, or you know, we built our website on Varnish to make it really fast. We built our e-commerce portal on Magento. Or you know what? Like we've, we have a CDN with... Uh, Cloudflare or with Fastly. And so those would be precursors to wanting something like the Datadome in this case. And of course, that means that, you know, the types of people who look for Cloudflare bot management solution, right, are going to be layup buyers, really. They are already on Cloudflare. They're not moving from it. And they're looking for an ecosystem of products like Datadome that essentially offer Cloudflare bot protection. So if you go down the rabbit hole under resources on their site to their integrations pages, they have integrations right now, but they're laid out in a way, if you just go to the parent page basically for that, which is datadome.co in this case, not com slash integration. Um, there's a bunch of different ones. And one of the things that maybe I want to point out, this, this adopts the same parent page kind of design template as their blog. And you'll notice that it says load more. So they show about nine different types of integrations that they have, but they have more. And it's a load more, uh, which effectively 
you know, loads up a page for a pagination, you know, slash page two. Now, Cloudflare is actually on this second page, which would make sense because Cloudflare is huge and they might have created an integration with Cloudflare early in 2015 or whatever, and then like added Fastly much, much later. From an SEO perspective, this is suboptimal because Google can't click that load more button. And so that's the same treatment that's actually being applied to the blog as well. So if you looked up all the blog articles on Google, like site colon datadome.co slash blog, or even the sub blog topics that fall underneath that, essentially, you'd find a whole bunch of pagination pages, which it's not best practice. It's not a deal killer, really, from an SEO perspective either. But it's something just to be aware of. Like, I think if we're like looking this over with a fine-toothed comb, the bigger deal, however, is what these actual integrations pages look like when you get there. So if I'm looking at the one for Fastly bot protection, which, by the way, whoever's doing the on-page SEO for this is on point with their, their keyword research because they know that that's what somebody would search. They would look for the integration partner and then bot protection or bot management. And the headline is get Fastly bot protection in real time with a Datadome Fastly integration. So you know, good job on sort of sharing, you know, what it does on the tin. But then it's really like a blog post. Like it's mostly, a, I think, Mark, you and I were talking before, this feels like a, a wall of text. And at the bottom, it just says getting started with the Datadome module for Fastly bot protection. You know, it says to start testing out the Datadome Fastly bot protection, click the free trial button below. By the way, there's no free trial button below. There's like a navigation all the way at the bottom, but there's nothing in this article specifically. And then simply follow the Fastly module installation instructions for your chosen integration option. So we would reckon that, of course, we don't have access to the analytics over here, but if we did, we'd probably find a, a low follow-through rate from the people who are attending or you know spending time on a page like this to those going to the next step. And there's room for optimization. Again, not an acquisition challenge, could be an engagement and a conversion opportunity to get more of the people who are, you know, they're very tuned in from a use case perspective to convert on this page. Yeah, so that's really interesting. I think one other thing to point out is that they actually have two integration sections on their website. Now, uh, I know this because, Dev, while you were talking, I was thinking to myself, hey, w where is he seeing this? Because I'm seeing a totally different version. I wondered if they were doing an A-B test, basically, of their site. Now, before we kind of move on to what this page should look like, it's unusual for a, a product that is so heavily about integration to not make integrations a menu item of its own. That would be pretty standard, or at least a very prominent section on the website. And we can talk about what that should look like. But in the integrations that Dev found, we're talking about a kind of an informational thing. In the integrations that I stumbled across first, we're looking at effectively docs for Fastly about how to actually integrate Fastly and Datadome, technically speaking. And by the way, those docs are good. You know, that is very clear. It's clear what you have to do step by step. Good on them for that. But the kind of informational journey there, that's confusing. So Dev, we do a lot of work with companies who are developer-based companies. Now, how would you think about an integrations page from that perspective? So I would do a few things. We actually have an integrations playbook as well, which we include in the show notes for this pod. But generally, what we want to do is talk about 
both the fact that the integration exists, and so to do the same thing that actually Datadom have already done, which is in this case, you know, the search term that somebody might trigger that integration is Fastly bot protection platform or software or solution, something like that. Capture all that topic, but then on the page itself, talk about not only how the integration works, but some use cases associated with it as well. In this case, it's not just that it integrates, but it can integrate to be able to prevent certain things from happening. All cybersecurity products at the end of the day are about preventing downsides. So depending on the integration type, you know, is it about you know, preventing web scraping? Is it about vulnerability scanning? Is it about preventing a denial of service DDoS, for example? And what use cases along with case studies associated with that as well, to be able to say, not only can you integrate, but here's folks who did integrate and got the result that they were looking for. And those use case, you know, use case posts could go to either a static page, they could go to a blog post or to a case study post as well. That's what we would expect to see on like a core integrations page. Now I want to talk a little bit about docs, if that's cool. They've done a really good job with their docs overall. We do have in a support or help desk or docs playbook at Powered by Search as well. And the main thing that we kind of see about any type of doc, it's like the second most important place that any developer focus or technical user focus, SaaS that we work with has a destination along the customer journey or rather the assumption that docs assumes is that everybody reading docs articles are effectively already customers of the product. So they're very how-to in their nature, like here's how you do X, Y, and Z thing, or here's how you integrate A to get B result, that type of thing. But what it misses is that if we know that non-buyers or rather non-customers are perusing these docs, then why not use the the docs page, which also typically ranks quite well from an organic search perspective, to drive trials and demos, which is a thing that grows the company from, in this case, you know, circa 17 million to 50 million, right? Um, especially because the docs are quite well, you know, they talk about when it was last updated. And as we're recording this, I'm seeing a number of these docs being updated as recently as, you know, two weeks ago. So the TLDR on it is we just add in a little content section on our B2B SaaS clients' websites, on their docs, and it's then say, hey, if you're not a user or if you're not a customer of Datadome yet and you'd like to use a Fastly integration, either see it in action here and link directly to a trial or to a demo page and then lead with some sort of benefit statement, which is something I want to talk about on their demo page. They include a a benefit statement that's somewhat hidden, but we would include that on every single docs page and make it customized or contextually relevant to the integration that they were talking about. We've seen, you know, double digit increases in conversion simply by doing that. It's again, it's getting more from what you already have as opposed to being more acquisition focused. That's really interesting. And I think there's a theme emerging here. So the theme is that a lot of the time the information is good but the pointing to that information is not done in a way that is sort of intuitive for many types of buyers. Now, obviously, there are many people involved in the purchase of a high-value product, and this one is obviously a similar example. So thinking about how to improve the communication of value and improve the the way that you get people from unaware, well, product-aware probably at this point, to Datadome is for me, that's really, really key here. 
because again, the information already exists. It's just not in the right place or at the right visual kind of hierarchy in many of these instances. Now, Dev, before we finish off, you mentioned something there about a value prop being hidden on the demo page. Should we talk about that? You got to love the open loops, right, Mark? Listener, if you, you kept listening, this is why. All right, so let's talk about, you know, the beginning of this show, we talked about engagement and conversion. And, you know, we want to talk about one conversion opportunity. And we think about these as a single point of failure right before you get to an opportunity or an SQL. And so on their demo page, which is datadome.co slash book live product demo, what they've done well is see Datadome's bot detection in action. So they have languaging here that doesn't make this seem like a sales call, which is something that we've seen in general work quite well with developer-focused or IT or technology tech user-focused products. There tends to be like an, almost like an allergic reaction to whatever seems like a, a sales call, essentially. So that they've done well. Now, the thing that they could improve over here is at the bottom, they say schedule a demo. And then in little itty bitty text underneath, they say get a live demo plus a bot threat report plus a free trial. So they're, they're adding like what we would call a value stack over there to get people to want to move forward. Now, in this case, a bot threat report is a great example of what we would call precursor marketing. It's a preview of what it's like to actually own and use the platform on a day to day basis. That being said, there's nothing that they show on this page about what this bot threat report might look like. We'd go as far as to say that that would be a pretty motivational thing from someone who's navigating away from this page. So let's suppose you already had their email address because they downloaded some sort of white paper or gated content, and you're using a marketing automation software that has a, a, you know, a JavaScript pixel throughout the entire site. It would be cool to send them an email just to say, hey, um, notice that you visited this page. Did you still want a copy of your bot threat report? If so, you know, fill out this form and we'll get back to you. So that's an example of like taking it down a notch in terms of sort of the, the risk versus threat involved with getting on a call. What if you don't want to get on a call, but you might be interested in the result of that call? Maybe you're just busy and you, know, you, you don't have the time to schedule it right now. So they kind of buried their lead on this bot threat report, assuming that, of course, it's the value and prospects find it interesting and useful. So that's one. The more tactical element of this before we wrap up is what happens when you actually click schedule a demo. And this is something that's pretty rampant. We see this on multiple different B2B SaaS websites. First of all, kudos to Datadome for using a calendaring tool that provides agency to their prospects to choose when they want to get in touch with you. A lot of B2B SaaS websites don't even do that. They just have a form with no expectation on you know, when you'll be hearing back from the company in this case. So they're using Calendly. It's pretty clear. What they're also doing in this case is they're giving you about a four-week window in terms of when you can book the call. That's also a plus one. That's good. If you have lots of demos, we, we actually recommend reducing that window to like a two-week window or something like that, just because it prevents the problem of demo no-shows. And again, we've learned that and improved that based off client feedback. The thing over here, though, is it all loads in a modal window. And so if I leave this page and I've now almost gone down the path of selecting a time, can you actually retarget? And the question would be, you know, can you retarget? And generally, I would say 
for most folks, most of the time, the way that they've embedded this iframe, which is just a Calendly embed, they wouldn't be able to because it's pulling Calendly's resources as opposed to being embedded in a separate page. And so they wouldn't be able to show remarketing or retargeting ads that would drive a user and motivate them to move forward and actually schedule the conversation. We have a, a playbook called the SaaS Boomerang Method, which talks about this. And the idea really is if you want to motivate somebody to get on a call, show them ads from people who have gone through the call and found the result of that call useful. They needn't be buyers of the product yet. Simply the, if you had a little testimonial that just showed up in your newsfeed on LinkedIn that said, jumped on a call, found out so much from our bot threat report that I wasn't even aware of, super valuable. I mean, that would be motivational enough to really get somebody who hasn't booked that call to to go move forward. Yeah, that's a, such a strong piece of advice. One other way that you could also accomplish a similar effect, but maybe with a little bit more kind of a catch-all for people who don't like modal windows and close them instinctively, is to have a form that captures an email address and a name or you know something like that, a small form. And then when that form is submitted, then you can book the calendar on the next page because it's embedded on the page. That also makes retargeting even easier because you can target by a page view, which is significant. It also means that if you've got marketing automation set up, you've got an email address by this point. So you can say, hey, notice you didn't book your demo, click here to do it. That's actually what we do at Powered by Search, but also it's generally a good thing to do because it increases the likelihood that you're going to be able to properly segment and follow up with marketing information that actually converts people anyway. Dev, that's all we got time for here, but I just want to give you one more chance. Is there anything else you want to say? No, I think that these guys are doing a great job and you know could only get better, I think, from over here on the path to grow from that 17 to 20 to 50 or more. Just focus more on the engagement and the conversion and it's going to unlock a, a next level stage of growth. Yeah, looking forward to seeing what they come up with and watching them grow. All right, Dev, thanks so much for your time. Always good jamming with you, Mark. Well, that's it for today. But friend, it doesn't have to end here. Because if you want to do something about your SaaS marketing, you should go to our website. We have heaps of in-depth blog posts, podcasts, and other resources about how to grow your demos, free trials, and signups with Demand Gen SEO or PPC. Now, if you want us to help you with that, you can book a SaaS scale session by clicking on the work with us button in the nav bar. Or you can follow me on Twitter at I am Mark Thomas, that's Mark with a C, or follow our founder, Dev Basu, that's D-E-V-B-A-S-U. I'll see you next time for another episode of Insider Marketing.